Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Sustainable Investing Perspectives podcast here on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome back from the UBS Chief Investment Office, Amantia Muhadini, Sustainable and Impact Investing Strategist for the Americas. We're also glad to welcome back to the podcast today, Jonathan Bailey, Global Head of ESG and Impact Investing at Newberger Berman. Up front, I do want to point out to our listeners as well as our clients of UBS that our conversation today will tie right into the latest Sustainable Investing Perspectives publication from the UBS Chief Investment Office. This is a monthly publication and can now be located up on UBS.com slash CIO for everyone's reference. Though Amantia, Jonathan, uh, great to be with you both for the conversation today. Thank you for dropping by and for spending some time with our listeners. Welcome back. Great to be here. Absolutely. So, Amantia, to set the stage a bit, I know this fall, the past couple of months, it has been quite eventful on the sustainability front with some high-profile climate-related lawsuits coming from California. So I'm curious, in in your report, in SI Perspectives, you do spend some time discussing those specific instances as well as more so the general landscape of climate lawsuits on a global scale. So can you expand a bit on these developments for us? Of course. Thank you, Dan. Um, So you're right. Uh, Part of what triggered our um, focus to this topic was was a recent lawsuit that was launched in September by the Attorney General of California against uh, five large oil and gas companies um, on on the grounds of misleading the public on climate impact relating to their operations. Um, Now, this lawsuit specifically, I I won't spend too much time talking about it, but um, it was interesting because it, it was high profile, it generated a lot of media attention. And in some ways, it's another um, example of really an acceleration here of climate-specific losses that, that we're seeing globally. Um, between 2017 and 2023, the number of court cases that were related to climate has doubled, uh, reaching 2,180 uh, total, according to a recent report uh, by the UN Environment Program and Columbia University. Um, and about half or, or a little more than half of these cases were filed in the U.S. alone, with the rest being global. Um, the cases really vary. I mean, some of them have been uh, on the grounds of kind of uh, what, what I just mentioned here, climate uh, impact-related things. A few name notable lawsuits were tied to having companies set objectives uh, around reducing their carbon emissions, and increasingly, we're also seeing a trend of uh, litigation or at least exploration of potential litigation around so-called greenwashing claims or companies um, misinterpreting uh, what they truly are doing around sustainability in their operations vis-a-vis their, their customers. Um, so, so that's the broader picture of what we're seeing here, an increasing risk. And I'm, I'm talking a lot about climate. That's the area where the data comes most cleanly. But with, uh, we would also note that on, on issues around human rights as well as broader social topics, we are likely to see some of this accelerating trend as well, especially given uh, increased regulation in the European Union in particular, which starts to create some types of liability around human rights infractions as well. So Jonathan, as Amantia outlined for us, a lot has taken shape 
here in the U.S., though also abroad as well. I'm curious to hear your perspective on sustainability-related litigation or even other types of risks for companies. What are you seeing on the horizon? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has been quite an interesting space because a lot of this litigation you know, started off uh, focused on, on sovereigns and sort of uh, efforts against, against nations, um, uh, particularly in, in, in Europe. Um, but it has, as Amante has explained, sort of expanded now towards corporates. Um, and we've seen sort of big cases in Europe in relation to oil and gas companies like Shell in the Netherlands, um, uh, as well as the, the large U.S. Uh, majors that, um, that the California Attorney General, as well as the New York uh, retirement system, have, have uh, filed suits against in recent years. So, so it's an area that's getting more attention uh, from investors. Um, and part of what's important to keep in mind is, you know, the, the filing of a suit doesn't necessarily mean that the company, you know, has in fact committed uh, the, the, the the infringement or uh, is guilty of the uh, of the aspect in the allegation. So it's important to keep that in mind. Um, but of course, it does uh, lead to, you know, cost and time and uh, and litigation expenses and perhaps uh, higher insurance uh, costs for the company. So these things c- can be material and are therefore important for investors to pay attention to. What we've noticed is that there is a shift in the operating framework that companies are um, are operating within, and, and that's because we're beginning to see uh, greater uh, policy and, and law passed requiring companies to take certain actions. So, for example, the uh, uh, corporate um, uh, uh, sustainability, um, uh, the CFDDD, the, um, the uh, due diligence directive within Europe, right, would create a, an affirmative res- responsibility on corporates to look at their supply chains. Um, you already have similar uh, national uh, legislation in countries like France um, and uh, in Germany. Um, and so the, once you've got that type of, of legislation in place or directives in place, it can then become easier for litigation to follow when companies are alleged to have uh, not taken sufficient action. So I think we're probably going to see more of this type of litigation going forwards, and I think we're going to see it on a broader range of topics. Uh, and just one example to give you that's happened in the last few weeks has been in New Zealand, where uh, one of the largest uh, New Zealand uh, banks has been uh, targeted by litigation in relation to biodiversity, um, uh, which would obviously be an extension of the of the focus on climate that uh, we've talked about uh, thus far. Jonathan, from the sounds of it, it seems that companies with litigation exposure carry with them a lot of risk headwinds. With that in mind, how do you go about identifying those names which are perhaps less likely to be tied up in climate or even human rights-related litigation? So, I mean, the first thing, obviously, is you know we have to, as investors, have our own view of the underlying reality of how a company operates. And so that goes back to you know, the basics of looking at the exposures that companies have to potentially financially material, environmental and social and governance risks. Um, and uh, that we, you know, may may look at those things and those things never transpire into litigation or that, uh, or, or they, they may uh, indeed. But you've got to start with that understanding of the business model, of its operations, its supply chains and so on, and how that could impact the company. Then you can kind of do a second tier of analysis, which will look at, whether that exposure that they have is likely to make them higher risk from a litigation perspective. And so just to take something like uh, the, the topic of biodiversity, you know, that can include looking at the types of 
commodities that the company might be sourcing. So, you know, if we're looking at a, a consumer staples company that uh, is involved in uh, coffee uh, or chocolate, right, we know the types of locations um, that those commodities are sourced from, and therefore we have uh, an ability to assess whether we think that uh, those supply chains may be the subject of future mitigation in relation to human rights, regardless of the, the specific strengths and weaknesses of the, of the company. So you can kind of combine those two lenses, right? One being, what are the material issues that could impact the company? And then secondly, you know, where might there be higher or elevated uh, litigation risk related to the supply chains and the uh, operations and practices of, of the company? And of course, some of that um, is related to geography, um, because we know that the mechanisms for litigation are different in the U.S. than they are in Europe or Australia, um, given the local um, uh, uh, way that the law operates and uh, who has standing to bring, you know, particular cases. So, so, so those are the kind of the, the different components that investors can look at in identifying, um, you know, where company might have underlying exposure, where litigation might be potentially an avenue, and then, you know, what the form of such litigation might might bring. You know, but ultimately, obviously, you know, the, 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 there are going to be cases brought that have no merits, and, and companies will have to defend themselves against that too. So um, it's not uh, going to be the case that you can completely um, uh, exclude any litigation from being the subject of portfolio companies. But the goal is to make sure that you're investing in companies that have strong uh, management of material environmental and social governance factors and are not unduly exposed uh, to potential uh, litigation risks that might be negative uh, for investors. Jonathan, thank you for the guidance there for investors on how best to navigate here. And Amantia, thank you for the background on this timely and ongoing topic. I will again point our listeners as well as our clients to the latest Sustainable Investing Perspectives publication to read further into this topic as well as the other features for this month. Again, available for you up on UBS.com slash CIO. Though today we have been hearing from Amantia Muhadini, Sustainable and impact investing strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office, as well as Jonathan Bailey, Global Head of ESG and Impact Investing at Newberger Berman. Amantia, Jonathan, thank you again for joining us today on SI Perspectives. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliates. The views and opinions expressed in this material by external guest speakers are those of the author, speaker, and are not those of UBS, its subsidiaries, or affiliates. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over the content of this material or any claims, losses, or damages arising from the use or reliance of all or any part thereof. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient, and is published for informational purposes only. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.